0: Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled The Day of the Lord, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, we finished examining Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 5 through 12. Significantly, we found things are pretty well spelled out for us as scripture said. Those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus may be two different people types. It is also true, both comments noted in Commentary, can be found in one earthly being as well we also found in second Thessalonians chapter one, verses nine through ten, which read, They will undergo the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his strength when he comes to be glorified among his saints and admired on that day among all who have believed, and you did in fact believe our testimony. Here is a case in point. Is this about Jesus coming in the rapture, or the second coming? This week, we find Paul wastes no time getting into what he is compelled to say. In chapter 2, he starts right in verse 1 with the day of the Lord. Let's read the first six verses for openers. Now regarding the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to be with Him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily shaken from your composure or disturbed By any kind of spirit or message or letter, allegedly from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not arrive until the rebellion comes and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, and as a result he takes his seat in God's temple, displaying himself as God. Surely you recall that I used to tell you these things while I was still with you, and so you know what holds him back, so that he will be revealed in his own time. Second Thessalonians Chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. So, which is it Scripture is talking about, the rapture or the second coming? Listen to that Scripture passage again if you are presently unsure. Scripture, in Paul's words, was quite clear. This conversation is about the rapture, the midpoint of the tribulation period, and the second coming. This is not disputable, given Paul's words are quite clear. Opening commentary tells us about these thoughts in chapter 2. The main object of this chapter is to correct any erroneous impression which had been made on the minds of the Thessalonians respecting the second coming of the Savior, either by his own former letter or by one forged in his name. They had received the impression that event was about to take place. This belief had produced an unhappy effect on their minds. It became, therefore, necessary to state the truth on the subject in order to free their minds from alarm. And this purpose of the Apostle leads to one of the most important prophecies in the New Testament. From Barnes' New Testament notes. Another commentary passage reads, In this chapter, the apostle guards against a notion as if the second coming of Christ was at hand, declares that, previous to it, there must be a great apostasy and a revelation of Antichrist, comforts the saints against fears of being included in this defection exhorts them to stand fast in the faith and closes this chapter with petitions for them he entreats them in a most tender and solemn manner not to imagine that day of christ was at hand and that they would not be disturbed and moved at it and points unto several ways and cautions against them they might be imposed upon and deceived by men with respect to it, and assigns his reasons why it could be yet, because before this time there was to be a general apostasy, and Antichrist must appear, whom from his character he calls the man of sin, and from this end the son of perdition, and describes him as an of God, an exalter of himself above all that is called God, as sitting in the temple of God and declaring himself to be God. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. A quick question. Are we clear in this commentary passage from Barnes and John Gill that the subject is not the catching up of his saints, the rapture, occurring before the tribulation period, but in the second coming of which Jesus steps foot back on this earth? Notice, in both commentary passages, the subject of trouble was the second coming of Christ, not the rapture. Again, This is how we confuse things in our modern minds. We allow the phrase second coming to mean also his rapture. This interchangeability is the source of much confusion in God's people today. We should also note John Gill made two significant comments we should first examine. First, we just read in commentary, that the Thessalonians, as many Christians in today's modern world of the pre-coronavirus era, thought that both the rapture and the second coming of Christ would be a long way off. As a result, I did some math which definitively proved that the rapture of Christ and the tribulation period were all doable, not necessarily going to arrive, but are all doable in our lives today. When, just when, who knows, as the rapture has no definitive stated time, nor does the tribulation, even though more is said, no official start time is given for either. While we are studying this in the latter sense, and especially before, today's global pandemic, coronavirus, you do have to admit, a global pandemic changes everything. It very much shortens the timeline many have put out as being much longer than we may live. So it is therefore important to note, unless we understand what comes in Scripture and Scripture prophecy before now, Understanding our now is more difficult than it has to be. Our second item of notice should be this first partial statement in commentary. It read, He entreats them in a most tender and solemn manner. If Paul does this with the current error in thinking of the Thessalonians, then why is it that today's churches, not all, but many, Do not pursue this method of engagement with others in our congregations. People are treated harshly in churches I have attended when they are having issues of belief such as the Thessalonians were. What does scripture and commentary say about how Paul dealt with them? The answer to that question in commentary is quite clear. Again, it read, he entreats them in a most tender and solemn manner. In what church that you have attended have people with struggles and troubles been dealt with as Paul dealt with the Thessalonians? All too often, if the church and those in its ministry believe they struggle with the believer that is in their own, who is struggling, The church, in America at least, tells the person to leave and not come back until the one who struggles can get professional help. Where is the miraculous power of God through His indwelling Holy Spirit found in God's people in that? Where is the exhibition of the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit in God's children in that? Just where is the miraculous power of God in his people pushing out his struggling children to worldly help? Why do some of God's people sneer at these struggling souls as they only sink deeper into the very thing they have asked for help to resolve? And God's people struggle with this global pandemic restricting them in what they do. Can we not find that in Scripture? Albeit, maybe, not quite as clearly said. Even so, it is there. Just where is the Holy Spirit power and inspiration that should be resident in God's people? That should be resident in God's people now? Why is it that these modern-day cast-outs of the Church are not receiving the proper ministry by God's children instead of them being cast out of God's church. Just maybe, God has allowed this pandemic to allow pause and reflection in His church bodies where people think and act this way. That is biblical. Read your Bible if you disagree. Our other important commentary issue of note is found in this passage. Before this time, there was to be a general apostasy, and Antichrist must appear, whom from his character he calls the man of sin, and from this end the son of perdition, and describes him as an opposer of God, an exalter of himself above All that is called God, as sitting in the temple of God and declaring himself to be God. A very strong commentary passage for sure. Clearly spoken of the Antichrist in the mid-tribulation when he sits in the temple defiling it. Here we see, or... Are we now seeing the apostasy spoken of in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12? If you have forgotten or have not yet read this passage for the complete thought, I will read verses 11 and 12. They read, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many, and because lawlessness will increase so much, the love of many will grow cold. I did not see the word apostasy. What is it? Well, just what does the word apostasy mean? It means, quote, abandonment and renunciation of one's religion or morals, end quote. This is not the same as what Scripture says here. The love of many will grow cold. When we lose the love of our religion, our love of Jesus Christ as our Lord, do we not also lose the love of God? From what I have seen, I would answer that question with a resounding yes. Notice what verses 11 and 12 say. 1. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. 2. Lawlessness will increase. These two things result in the love of many will grow cold, quote unquote, or apostasy in more simple terms in today's churches. Commentary of this passage in Matthew reads, The fear of death and the deluding influence of false teachers would lessen the zeal of many timid and weak professors, perhaps also of many real but feeble Christians. From Barnes New Testament Notes Please note, it is understood in the English language that, quote, timid and weak professors, unquote, is of those who profess faith in Christ and now regress in any degree. They are not professors such as one finds in higher education. I say that only for modern clarity. Today, we do not say that someone was a professor of the truth unless we are speaking about an educator in the subject of truth. Again, just for the purpose of clarity. So these people are those who may well be saved in Christ unto his glory, but they are weak, shy, or timid. They fear death. They fear also the deluding influence of the false teachers. Thus, these people are feeble. This in no way means they will not necessarily go to heaven. However, they are weak. Only if such weakness prevents them from making the conscious decision to be saved in Christ, will they not be saved in Him. Coinciding with this, if in the tribulation period, as this passage indicates, we read this in commentary, because before this time there was to be a general apostasy, and Antichrist must appear, an opposer of God, an exalter of himself above all that is called God, as sitting in the temple of God and declaring himself to be god let's look at these two commentary passages one at a time the second coming of christ cannot happen before the pre-tribulation events of the general apostasy and the arrival of the antichrist not to mention the fact his second coming is clearly stated in the bible as coming right after the tribulation closes The rapture is clearly stated as a pre-tribulation event where Christ catches up his saints from the earth and takes them home. The tribulation then begins, followed by his second coming to earth. I really want you to understand how these two events are separate and both very real. And brothers, we entreat you, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together to him for you not to be quickly shaken in the mind nor to be disturbed neither through a spirit nor through speech nor through letter as through us as if the day of Christ has come 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 2 from green's literal translation i read verse 1 with verse 2 for the complete thought. We do, however, want to focus on verse 2. For clarity, we just read For you not to be quickly shaken in the mind, nor to be disturbed, neither through a spirit, nor through speech, nor through letter, as through us, as if the day of Christ has come. Our previous commentary has demonstrated clearly that Paul so far anyway, is not talking about the rapture of the saints despite his comments in verse 1, which we just read. He is talking about the second coming of Christ. However, the same fear and trepidation at his second coming may well be found in the period of time before his rapture. This is how confusion enters into this subject, how one becomes confused with the other. We cannot let that happen. Otherwise, confusion results and the truth we seek becomes muddy and uncertain. We then accept whatever we have reasoned as God's truth, not a good place to go or worse, live in. Commentary on verse 2 here reads, They would not be quickly and easily moved from it or be troubled, thrown into consternation and surprise. For though the coming of Christ will not be terrible to the saints, as it will be to the sinners, yet there is something in it that is awful and solemn and fills with concern, and to be told of it as at that instant might be surprising and shocking. The several ways in which their minds might be troubled and distressed with such an account are enumerated by the apostle that they might guard against them and not be imposed upon them neither by spirit spirit is in lower case by a prophetic spirit again spirit in lower case by pretensions to the revelation of the holy spirit fixing the precise time of christ's coming which should not be heeded or attended to, since his coming will be as a thief in the night, nor by word, by reason and a show of it, by arguments drawn from it, which may carry in them a show of probability, by enticing words of man's wisdom, by arithmetical or astronomical conclusions, or by pretensions to the word, a tradition of Christ or his apostles as if they had received it by word of mouth from any of them. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Notice, in closing, this commentary comment we just read, fixing the precise time of Christ's coming which should not be heeded or attended to, since his coming will be as a thief in the night. Next week, we will continue in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul, as we've seen, wastes no time in getting to his point. We can already see that in just six verses we see the obvious distinction between the rapture and his second coming. He says in verse 7 and 8, For the hidden power of lawlessness is already at work. However, the one who holds him back will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will destroy by the breath of his mouth, and wiped out by the manifestation of His arrival. To find out more about the Day of the Lord, listen to our episode next week. Play or download next week's episode titled, The Day of the Lord, Part 2. Download this episode from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all electronic Boston based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. is found at the bottom of any episode description. All our links are now provided in each podcast episode listing starting on September 20th, 2020. You will find our podcast listings on any podcast listing page directing you to the episode you want to play. This year, we have decided to go with making Pinecast our primary host. We also added the Facebook-style social media site, Diaspora, to expand our Internet presence. We have even added Tumblr with a forward-facing webpage where you can get all our updates without having to log in. You will find that new link in each podcast listing starting on September twentieth, 2020. If you go to our Internet homepage, under the podcast menu item you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. When searching for us, please use the search phrase Church of the Un insert dash symbol church again Church of the Un insert dash symbol church to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts TuneIn or Spotify, to name a few. Please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our backup server is now listed in our show notes in each and every episode starting on September 20th 2020. You can also go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now to him who is able to strengthen you to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.